Hi, my name is Rhonda Minga, and I would like to welcome you today to Freedom Ministries in Crossed, Arkansas. I invite you to connect with us online at freedomministriescrossed.com. Now let's take the time to pray before we tune in to today's message. Lord, I lift you up, and I just pray that you draw us by your Spirit. I pray that you show us your Word. You give us great and mighty revelations of who you are and how you want to move in and through us. Lord, be with these people as they tune in now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. See, every time the sun comes up, that's proof of his faithfulness. Every time the sun goes down, it's proof of his faithfulness. That's proof. It's proof. It's proof that he honors his own word. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. It says, Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me. Now herewith saith the Lord of hosts. God believes in his word so much right here. He just said, prove me. Try me. Test me. Saith the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. He shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. Neither shall your vine cast forth her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord. And all nations shall call you blessed, for you shall be a delightsome land, saith the Lord of hosts. He said, tithe, I will pour you out a blessing that you can't contain, and I will protect what you do. I will protect the work of your hands. I will see to it that it brings forth a harvest. I worked for the mill 41 and a half years. Worked at extrusion for 19. I worked at extrusion for 19. Never got laid off. Extrusion plant, for those that don't know, we'd be running wide open for a month or two. I'm talking about working around the clock. No days off till Monday through Friday. I mean, it would change just like that. We'd had enough, had orders we couldn't get, we couldn't get them out the door. And then the next week, I don't know if we're even going to have enough to run next week. That's the way the extrusion was. Pretty much. I was on the schedule. They had a major cutback. I was on the schedule. Fixing to be laid off. schedule had already come out. I was looking at it. 
Came out on Thursday. Went back in on Friday, and I was working. Somebody decided to take a vacation. 19 years at extrusion. Never laid off. God is faithful. God is faithful. He's faithful to perform what he said about the tithe. Let's look at Luke 6, 38. Luke 6, 38. It says, give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together and running over, shall men give unto your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. God says, give, and I'll cause men to give back to you more than what you gave. Hallelujah. I gave a coat one time. I liked it. I outgrew it. But I gave it away. I got a closet full. I have a closet full. I look in there sometimes and think, well, I need to get rid of some of these. And then you have the thought, but I don't need any more. <laughs> I know that's not the right thought. It's like I should... Let some more come, then I'll give them away. But God is faithful. He is faithful to his word. He is faithful to his word. Go ahead. When you were talking about us when we uh, were first married and learning to tithe, I was raised. My mom and dad tithed, so I knew what it was. And uh, when we first got married, I was the one that did the money. <laughs> you know, so that was my responsibility. And some weeks I would tithe, and some weeks I didn't. I didn't think we had enough. And I didn't want Robert to know, Pastor to know, <laughs> that we didn't have enough, you know, to do anything. So God was the one that would get left out. But what he reminded me is he saw, he saw my heart. He saw our heart wanting to put him first. And this, just, this is just the way God is. You know, he's faithful. Even when we're not faithful, he's faithful. <laughs> and so he blessed us anyway. He just did. <laughs> he kept us. He blessed us. But one day I saw... Um, I hadn't paid our tithes that week and you know that you feel the conviction I did it may have been condemnation I really don't know but I knew I knew that I knew I was supposed to pay tithes so uh, I, did, I hadn't paid it that week and our air conditioner central unit the fan went out well we had to have it fixed and of course uh, I don't remember the amount but it was the exact amount that my tithe would have been. <laughs> and I was like, okay, God. 
I see. <laughs> I see. And from that moment on, we, we began to be faithful. And I'm not going to say we were every time, but I started putting that first. And then Robert got the money, <laughs> you know. But um, I think it was it's easier for him to pay because I just do. A man can handle that kind of responsibility. But some women are better with money, so. But I wasn't. <laughs> I just want to thank him for his faithfulness. Thank you, because Jesus. Because he looks at our heart. You know, we can make that a law. I could make that a law. And I want to rebel against it. But when I learned that he looks at my heart and he he's trying to do it for my for my good, you know, for me to tithe my earthly income, our earthly money into his kingdom, he's wanting to bless me. That's his purpose. He don't need it. And I had to learn to trust him in that when it looked you know, because there wouldn't be enough left to pay everything sometimes. But we always got it paid. We just learned in those, in those early years to trust him with our money. And that's, um, that's, that's really the first step of, uh, to me being a Christian. Because our money is what sustains us in the natural and if I can give that to God, if I can give that, then I'm learning how to trust him. And so all these other areas, I can trust him easier because he's going to be faithful. He's going to be faithful every time. Hallelujah. So I thank you for your faithfulness, thank you, Jesus. Father. I thank you that you're looking at our heart Hallelujah. and you know that it's hard to trust. You Thank know you, Jesus. that it's hard to trust sometimes when we don't know you. But I thank you that you honor. You honor when we give. You honor. And you teach us to obey you and you teach us to trust you. And you're never going to let us down. And I thank you. Thank you, Father. Give you praise, Jesus. So if anyone feels to sow, you're welcome to do so at any time. To come and sow into the kingdom. Hallelujah. Give you praise, Jesus. God is faithful. He is faithful. I'll just tell y'all how this comes about so that y'all won't get discouraged when things don't always work out like you think they should. Been praying all week, working on a word all week long. Got notes. Come up here Saturday, which is Sometimes I come on Saturday and sometimes I stay at home. But I came up here on Saturday, was in, the, in our office, got my notes spread out, trying to put them in the order that, that God wants them in so I can teach them. And I'm sitting in there. I think I may have some music playing, looking at my notes and trying to say, this, no, this part, this needs to go here and that needs to go there. And normally, 
normally when I do that, things just begin to flow. I just begin to, this goes here. And it just flows like that. And I line everything up in the order that God wants me to preach it in. Saturday, guess what? Nothing lined up. I'm sitting in there looking, been sitting there looking at them for a while. Nothing was lining up. It's like, I don't know where this, I don't know. It's, so I got up. Got up from my desk. Come out here. Put some music on. Got my notebook. I don't know if I got it immediately, but I did get it and laid it out here with the page open. And just begin to walk and pray. Just begin to walk and go, Shokorata, Shekede, Mata Sandorana. Just begin to walk and pray back and forth. And as I began to do that, God would speak something. I'd write it down. Went on walking and praying. And every time, and when every time he'd speak something, I'd stop by my notebook and write it down. I'd just pray some more and walk around some more. And he was, he was just speaking different things. Just, it, he was just speaking them to me. So that's where this word come from. I had one for fixing to get it lined up, and he wouldn't let me line it up. But he is faithful. He is faithful to his word. He is faithful. See, in James 1, chapter 1, verse 5, I think it is, it says, If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. I don't know how, but somehow or another, that scripture has gotten in me to I know, I know that if God's having me to stand before his people, He's going to have something for me to say. Even if he gives it to you on Saturday morning. I know that. Because I can tell you, even though I didn't have anything, nothing was coming together, there was no fear. There was a time there I would have been afraid. I would have been scared, like, God, what are we going to do? It's like it didn't matter. God's going to do something. God's going to do something. So he just spoke some things to me. The title of this is Perception of Deception. Our perception of deception. It's a big deal. If I think that I can't be deceived, I already am. The moment we think I've got enough God in me that I can't be deceived, I'm already deceived. I'm already deceived. Proverbs 4, verse 23 says, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Keep means to guard it. It means to protect your heart. 
Protect your feelings. Protect your will. Protect your intellect. Protect your understanding. Protect your wisdom. That's what heart means. He tells us to guard our heart. To guard it because it can be deceived. You think about it. Satan was in heaven. He was the praise leader in heaven. He convinced a third of the angels that God created. He convinced a third of them that they could overthrow God. Deception. He's good at his job. Hallelujah. Well, when I was walking and praying, I heard this. God just spoke some statements to me. And I had to find, look up the scriptures to go with them. God said, I love you with an everlasting love. Jeremiah 31, 3. says, the Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. God's love is everlasting. It has no end. Even in the depths of the sea, he still loves us. Even in our rebellion, he still loves us. Even if we refused him and go to hell, our soul goes to hell, he still loves us. That's hard to comprehend. If I choose him to the point that I die and spend eternity in hell, he still loves me. But I've made the choice. God loves us with an everlasting love. Next thing he told me, he said, Jesus is life. John chapter 1 verse 5. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God has not life. Life without Jesus is nothing but existing. If we don't have Jesus in our heart, all we're doing is existing. We're not living. We don't have life. We're existing. Then he told me, he's just speaking things. He said, deception is like leaven in bread. Galatians chapter 5, verse 9. You know, God has a scripture for everything he says. Chapter 5, verse 9 says, a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. 
But if you go back and read the scriptures above that, what it's talking about is false teachers and prophets coming in and teaching doctrine that's twisted from the word. He says, you let a little bit of that get in you, it'll mess up everything. That's, that's a, deception is a serious thing. You let a little bit of deception get in you, it will infiltrate into everything that you believe. Everything's got to be lined up with this word, with God's word. Hallelujah. That's why he says study to show yourself approved. Our perception of God will lead to abundant life or deception. <laughs> Our perception of him will lead to abundant life or it will lead to deception. If we perceive God to be a hard taskmaster that's always wanting to take from me, wanting me to give him everything and not get anything in return, what's going to happen to me? That's what's going to happen. That's what I'm sowing. That's what I'm going to reap. But if I see God as a good father, a father that wants to give to me, a father that loves me, what's my perception? What's going to happen? See, my perception of him determines how, what happens with me. And another thing he told me, he said, tell my people they can live in my glory. He said, tell my people they can live in my glory. It can become a way of life. He said, in my glory, there is no fear. In my glory, there is no doubt, no unbelief. In my glory, truth is revealed and deception is exposed. The real becomes visible. See, in God's glory is where the real becomes visible. Let's look at 2 Kings chapter 6. See, we can live in His glory. Second Kings, I'm about to find it. Chapter 6, verse 17. It says, And Elijah prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. See, an army had come to capture the prophet of God. 
come in the night while they were asleep. Got up in the morning and the servants saw them. They were surrounded by the army. Elijah wasn't scared. Elijah said, open his eyes, God, that he can see what I see. Elijah lived in the glory. And when the servant's eyes were opened, he saw that there was more with them. The Lord of hosts, the armies of heaven were with them. It says, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. The real became visible. The real just became visible to the servant of God. He said, in my glory is where you see my hand working, where my plans are revealed. In God's glory is where he, God reveals his plans to us. That's in Jeremiah 29, 11. We know that one. It says, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, to give you a hope and a future. If we can't grab that, that God wants to prosper me, that God wants to give me a hope and a future, then our perception of God is wrong. We've been deceived. God also said, to, when I was walking and praying, he says, make room for my glory. Make room for it. Make room for my glory. Let's go to Psalm 16, verse 8. Make room for my glory. David made room for God. David made room for God. David had lots of issues. He had a man killed, slept with a man's wife. And, but still, God said, he's a man after my own heart because David would always repent and turn back to God. David trusted God. So make room for my glory. Verse 8. I have set the Lord always before me. That's what David says. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. Therefore my heart is glad, and my glory rejoiceth. My flesh also shall rest in hope. For thou shalt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Thou wilt show me the path of life, and in thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand are pleasures forevermore. David made room for God's glory. David made room for God's presence. And God met his needs every, turn he was, every time he made a turn. God was with him. So we have to make room for the glory of God. I think it's in Philippians where Paul says, 
All of your needs shall be met according to his riches in glory. Glory is a place we want to live. Glory is a place that we want to live in. Hallelujah. <laughs> Let's look at, God also said that God is not the author of confusion. 1 Corinthians 14. Let's go there. First Corinthians 14, verse 33. It says, For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all churches of the saints. When you're going through something, you should have peace. If it's confusion, it's not from God. If it's peace, it is from God. You can have peace in the middle of a circumstance. If it's confusion, if it's confusion, if you're confused, deception is speaking. You hear that? If you're confused, deception is speaking. Deception is trying to get your ear. Deception is trying to pull you from what God says. Does that mean that we know what to do in every circumstance? No, it doesn't. There are times I'm seeking God over, a, over an answer for something. And my wife can ask me or somebody say, says, what are we going to do about this? And I'll say, I don't know. But I'm not confused. God hasn't spoken yet. But I'm not confused. Confused is when I have two options. One of them is God and the other one is the enemy. That brings confusion. Another thing that God said when I was walking, praying, he said, my people really don't know me. He said, my people really don't know me. Let's go to Daniel chapter 11. Verse 32. We'll go to the last part of that verse. But the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. An exploit is a supernatural event. When we know God, the supernatural will flow from us. That makes me have to say, oh, me. Even as your pastor. Sometimes the supernatural flows, but it's not. I can't say that it's a regular occurrence. So when God says, my people really don't know me. That's what he's talking about. 
if we know him. And I'm not talking about knowing about him. I'm not talking about reading the scriptures and finding where he'd done all these mighty works and say, oh, yeah, that's my God. I know him. Is he doing that in you? That know him is an intimate word. It's a relationship word. Thank you. It's a relationship word. Y'all know my wife? Y'all think y'all could go pick her out something to decorate her house with? Why is that? You think I could pick her out something to decorate our house with? Why is that? I live with her. I know her. I spend time with her. We go shopping together. That's what he's talking about right there. My people don't know me. We talked about his faithfulness. We were praying. Then later on that evening, Pastor Dana, we were both back out here again praying. And we were just praying, and she made the statement, Jesus, you paid. You paid for joy. And she made another one. I can't remember the exact one. But when she said that, it hit me, and I began to write down some stuff that we need to realize Jesus paid for my peace. We say we know that, but do we, really, do we live there? Do I live there? Do I live in peace? Jesus paid for it. Jesus paid for me to have a sound mind. Do I live with a sound mind? Is my mind constantly bombarded and pulled this way and that way and back and forth? Jesus paid for me to have a sound mind. Jesus paid for me to walk in freedom. Jesus paid for me to be free. Jesus paid for my sin. Amen. Jesus paid for my poverty so I don't have to live there. He paid for that so I don't have to live there. Jesus paid for my joy. Do I walk in joy? Jesus paid for it. Jesus paid for my healing. He paid for it. He paid the full price. Jesus paid for my deliverance. Anything that's got you bound, the price has already been paid. The price has been paid. You don't owe anything to that anymore. The price has been paid. Jesus paid for fear. 
That's one that I've had to walk out, still walking out. Jesus paid for fear, so I don't have to operate in fear, so I don't have to be afraid. How many of you think you're not afraid? Got any takers? Because if you stick your hand up, I'm going to say, why don't you preach next Sunday? <laughs> see, what hit, see what hits you. Jesus paid for my boldness. When the Holy Spirit come, what happened? Boldness come. Boldness come. Boldness come on Peter. He stood up before the very ones that crucified Jesus and told them about it. Says, you, you killed him. You think that? But before that, what did he do? He run and hid. Denied him three times. We hear about Peter denying him three times. But where were the other disciples? They wasn't even in a position to deny him. Let's just tell it. Peter at least followed him to where he was being tried at and, and denied him. The others wasn't even around. Boldness came. Jesus paid the price for my pride. Hmm. Jesus paid the price for my emotions. You know, emotions is a dangerous thing. We can think because we cry and get all emotional that it's God. And it's... I'll just stop right there. No, I won't. Jesus paid for my emotions. People will pull on your emotions to get you to do something for them. And you'll think it's God. Because you've, you, get, you get stirred up on the inside. Years ago, we had a, had a girl call our house. A call, I think, yeah, call Pastor Dana. Her electricity was fixing to be cut off. She needed help with her light bill. Guess what? I've died to my emotions. I know what cutoff notices are. I've had them. You don't get them one day and they cut your electricity off the next. Okay? You got a month to deal with that cutoff notice. She's got a cut-off notice, and her electricity is fixing to be cut off the next day. But yet, her hair is done, and her nails are done. Saint, I saw her picture on Facebook showing her. Look what I got. Look what I got. No. My emotions were not pulled. It's like, no. If you had come to me before... Like you get the notice and you come to me before when you get it and say, I need some help. Then we'll sit down and we'll talk about it and we'll pray about it and see what we can do. But you're going to pull on my emotions the day of. 
I don't know if her electricity got cut off or not. But people will pull on your emotions. That's why they're dangerous. Tell you another one. Just to use myself for an example. We thought years ago that we would like to flip houses. You know, buy a house, redo it. Sounds great. Redo it, flip it, and make some money. I've never flipped a house. <laughs> Bought into a program, $5,000 worth. Yes, sir. On emotions. Because this offer is going to expire. Yeah. Yeah, I've done that. This offer is going to expire real soon. If you don't get into this program right now, you're not going to be able to. Well, we can't, we can't miss this. This is what we want to do. Bought into it and never flipped. They sent us the material. Stack of stuff about that thick. Sounded like Chinese when you read it. I'm serious because you don't understand that language. Never flipped a house. Emotions. Pulling on, oh yeah, I want to flip a house. This is the opportunity. Guess what? That debt wasn't wiped clean either. That debt had to be paid. That's a hard one to learn. So I'll tell you so you don't have to. Pressure is not your friend. When it comes to the things of God, pressure is not your friend. Jesus paid for us to be sons and daughters of God. Jesus paid for us to operate in power and authority. Jesus paid for us to be the head and not the tail. That's in his word. Jesus paid for us to be above and not beneath. Jesus paid for us to walk in victory 100% of the time. Am I there? No. But I know it's available because Jesus did it. And he lives on the inside of me. So 100% victory, 100% of the time is available. I have to pursue it. I have to go after it to achieve it. I have to not settle for anything less. He paid for us to live in his kingdom on earth. That's what he paid for. He paid for me to live in his kingdom here on the earth. The other thing he said to me, he said, and he said that he emphasized this one over and over. 
He says, I can create something out of nothing. That's how I heard it. Second time around, I can create something out of nothing. Third time around, I can create something out of nothing. Then he said, let your faith arise. I can create something out of nothing. Let your faith arise. That's what he was saying. I can create something out of nothing. Let your faith arise. In other words, when a circumstance looks impossible, that's where God likes to step in. That's where he wants to step in. He can't show himself strong in a situation if I can do it. He shows himself strong where I can't do it. And he said, trust me. Trust me. Trust me. He said it three times. Trust me. Nothing is impossible for me. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Verse 13. We having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believe and therefore have I spoken. That was a, from back in the Old Testament. But the last part of that verse says, we also believe and therefore speak. So the question is, what language are you speaking? What language do you speak? Do you speak kingdom language or do you speak the language of the enemy? Do you speak victory or do you speak defeat? What language do you speak? Kingdom language is a language of faith. Kingdom language is a language of faith. It's when God shows you something that he plans to do, and you declare it even before it takes place. That is kingdom language. That's how the kingdom speaks. We, we speak kingdom language, what happens? It produces kingdom results. When we, when we speak something less or other than what God said, we're speaking deception. We're speaking deception. So what we say matters. What we say matters. So the altars are open. If you want God to change your language, if you want God to, 
work on your language. Your language needs to be improved. He wants to take the coal and touch your lips. That's what he did. I think it was Elijah or Elisha or Isaiah. I think it was in Isaiah. He took the coal and touched his lips. And it cleansed him from iniquity. And I looked up the word iniquity, and the iniquity means perverseness. When we speak opposite of what God says, we're speaking perverse. So if you want God to touch your lips, the altars are open. He wants to change the way we speak. He wants to change the way that we speak. He wants to change what comes out of our mouth. Thank you again for tuning in with us. If this word ministered to you, please consider sowing a seed to Freedom Ministries at freedomministriescrossit.com. We have made it available to you on the giving page. Thank you again. Go and be blessed. In Jesus' name.